Welcome to the Power of Synergy on BBS Radio. I'm your host, Gabrielle Cardona. What is synergy? Well, if you look at the definition, you'll probably get confused by the dictionary. What it is in real terms, in real life, it's what we create when we come together. But we're not an addition to each other. It's not two plus four plus six or three plus six plus eight. Three plus six plus eight is just 18. We multiply each other in our energy, in our thoughts, in our feelings. Three plus six plus eight is 18. No, actually it's 17. Oh, that's just one little number. Well, you know, one number doesn't make a difference. It does when we're talking about three times six times eight. That's 144. So when we're talking about one additional person who joins the group, well, they're just a two. They're not that important. Yeah, actually, 144 times two, that's 288. Who we are makes a big difference in the world, to the people in the world with us. Yeah, we have power. We have personal energy power. What is power? How do we wield it? Power is influence. Man, you know what? That comes with responsibility. Responsibility comes with accountability. Do you believe that? Do you believe you're responsible? Do you behave in a responsible way with your personal power? Okay, well, here's the next one. Who are you accountable to in your responsibility? Do you believe that you should pay the consequences for your decisions? Wow, well, you know what? That means your decisions have to be a little bit better, don't they? And if you really do believe that the power that you have over people is going to make a difference in the world, ask yourself a question. Do you want to be a good or a bad influence in the world? Another thing I tell my customers, my clients, my colleagues, my friends, yeah, you know what? There is no neutral energy. You're either positive or negative. That means you are either making the situation better or worse when you become a part of it. By the time you leave, ask yourself, are people better after they've been with you or worse? Just in their feelings and in their thoughts. Do you believe that you are accountable to the people that you give your time and attention to? <clears throat> How about the people that they are going to be around when they leave you? Do you think about the long-term big picture of the energy that you propel in the world? Okay, so <laughs> that's just something to chew on because our, our show is going to be kind of different today. I want to invite everybody who's listening to ask me any questions that you might have. Usually I like to stick to a theme for the whole show, but today I'm really, you know, open to any thoughts or questions or inquiries, things that you've personally been trying to maybe get better with or learn more about in order to create a better quality soul for yourself, your spirit, your energy, your mind and heart and body, all of those things, you are going to be a contribution to the world. If you have a question about something that I'm not talking about necessarily, then don't stop yourself from calling me. And the number at the station here is 888-627-6008. Okay, so I do want to kind of have a theme though. How can we create synergy in an age of technology? We have a lot of machinery. We have a lot of computers in our life, in our lifestyle, in our work, even in our social life. A lot of people are more comfortable using a machine to talk to people. 
extend to physically be with them in a personal space, in a physical place, just because it's faster and easier and cheaper and more convenient. Yeah, you can talk to someone over in, uh, let's see, who was I talking to the other day? I think she was somewhere in the Middle East. Yes. <laughs> I don't even remember the country because I, I wasn't thinking about, gee, you know what? She's on the other side of the world. Well, sometimes when we don't think about things like that, we take it for granted. Or, oh, wait a minute, he was in India. I thought he was over in Indiana. Ah, minor detail. No, it's not because his world is totally different. His philosophy, his religion is totally different. I actually needed to spend about half an hour on LinkedIn. That's where I have a lot of connections because it's a more professional website than Facebook. Asking about the same industry, we're in the same industry. Wow, how is it different for you over there? <laughs> how are men and women different? And that's the other thing I kind of want to touch. How are men and women different? And how are we similar? And how does society and culture determine the way that we're going to behave as genders together and separately? Okay, so I, I always like to start this conversation with clients and sometimes on shows, the computer's gender. It's a joke that my son actually told me when he was in high school. He said, oh, man, I heard this from one of my friends. I think he got it off Facebook or some other social website. And I said, really, what's that? And he said, okay, well, it's about the computer's gender. The Spanish teacher was explaining to the class that in Spanish words are feminine or masculine, so you need an article, L or law. And usually you can tell with the A at the end means it's a law, and if there's an O at the end, and then it's an L. But one of the students, it was an adult class, raised his hand and asked the teacher, is it L computador or la computadora? And she said, well, do you think it's more like a man or a woman? And he said, no, never mind, never mind, I withdraw the question. <laughs> she said, no, you know what, this will be fun. We're going to split the, the class up into men and women. You guys talk it out and tell me if you think this thing is more like a guy or a gal. And she displayed the little computer in front of them, and the men looked at each other, and they grabbed a pen and paper, and they started scribbling and laughing and whispering. And she goes, well, uh, what, are, what are you guys doing? What are you doing? You're supposed to talk here. What are you writing down? They said, no, man, this thing is so feminine. It's, it is female, practically has breasts. And she said, you have reasons for that. Go ahead and read them off to me. How many do you have? They said, we have four already. Number one, only their creator understands their logic. Number two, they speak a language only they know how to interpret. Number three, they store every mistake you ever make in long-term memory for future retrieval. And number four, you spend half your paycheck on their accessories. In fact, you never stop buying them. And she said, oh, my God, ladies, I'm dying here. Those were great. <laughs> Save me. And they said, no, this thing's a guy. We'll tell you why. We got four reasons, too. Number one, they won't do anything for you if they're not turned on first. Number two, they uh, can get all the information from you all day long. They're still not going to think for themselves. Number three, they claim to solve any problem in life, any problem you might ever have. But you know what? In real life, when push comes to shove, there are the problems. And then finally, for you know, if you had just waited six months, you could have gotten a better one. Oh, wow. Okay, so let's think about this in, in two terms right here, relationships and technology. When we have so many outlets, we have so many venues, we have so many sources for communication, that really kind of gives us an idea, a sense that we have something. It's not really there. 
where where is the personal connection? What what value does physical presence have? One of the things I say first of all, since I'm actually a relationship coach and I specialize in communication and conflict resolution, we have things that we can do with our voice that a computer can't take up. Sense stress, modulation, volume and pausing, intonation, inflection. Those are things that, well, when we're talking about how we say a word, I like to use the example of two words. Would you? W-O-U-L-D space Y-O-U question mark. Okay, well, let's ask that in several different ways. There's a would you? Which is, wow, I'm, I'm surprised. I didn't know that about you. <clears throat> One way you could say it is, would you? Which is a way of saying I'm justifying the fact that I'm not going to do something. Or you could say, would you? Which is, wow, I'm, I'm getting to know you a little bit better. I actually like you. And there's, would you? Which is, I, I'm not going to get my hopes up. Those are just two words that can mean four, five, six, seven, eight different things based on how you say the words. You can't get that with technology. Yeah, you know what? I was actually watching um, a summary of news on a, a website, right? But I had a chance to look at a very brief uh, cut from a show that I like to watch from a guy that I like to watch. His name is Michael Smirconish, and he's kind of a smart ass like me, but he's very smart. He actually asked people about AI relationships, artificial intelligence, computers. He said that it's becoming more and more popular now for men to literally create the perfect woman. That's just a computer image. Yes, she communicates. Yes, she has features, uh, aesthetics. She has Things like a voice, she has a body, she has a certain amount of intelligence because computers can do pretty amazing things. The question is, is that good enough for men now? Well, apparently, according to this survey that this guy was taking, a lot of men are more willing, we'll say willing, to be satisfied with, well, I understand this is completely synthetic, but the real deal is just too much hard work. Which then begs the question, is the ROI in the effort that you make in your relationships worth the time and energy and, yeah, potentially money that you invest in that individual, but also in that bond? A lot of people don't stop to think, okay, so what do I really want? But then also, what do I bring to the dynamic? Okay, so let's, let's, let's go ahead and just start with a question that actually one of my colleagues Asked, asked me as a personal email. He said, I can't listen to your show this week, but I want you to ask a question. It was a couple weeks ago. How can a man fill his woman's heart with an abundance of love? That's a great question. I like that question. Well, there's a couple different ways. First of all, you have to remember that love has to be there first. You cannot create something inside of a soul you can only stimulate it, bring it to the surface, enhance it, employ it in some way, motivate it and stimulate it. You can do that by having an understanding of that person, an appreciation, a respect, and a trust. I love acronyms. So appreciation, respect, and trust. That's an art, A-R-T. Think about your relationships 
as an art form, that will definitely keep you motivated and inspired to be a high quality soul for that person. Okay, well, you know what? I was actually talking to some people at a coffee shop the other day because I had to wait for my ride and they saw a sign for my um, my radio show and they said, what? what is that? What is that synergy? And I said, well, you know, I gave them the real quick once over. And I said, but you know, I'm thinking of talking to my viewers about personality and how much our personality is either going to facilitate um, cooperation and appreciation, respect and trust, and how much of it's just going to cause confusion and division and frustration. And he said, you know what? Personality is where communication starts because I was talking to him about communication as well and I said "Ooh, I like that I said could I use your name on my show and he said sure his name was Spyro and I said you know what that for a fairly young person who just literally explained his phone to me for 10 minutes and all the gadgets that a cellular phone can have and all the different things it can do you still understand the value of communication but yeah personality is going to be a factor how much of what I said with the would you was about the words themselves and how much of it is well if my husband was saying it he's an ESTP it would be very different from my daughter who's an ENFJ yeah my oldest son who's an ESFJ the polar opposite of everything I am as an INTP that's another factor you have to take into consideration <clears throat> okay so again the number if you want to call in and ask me a question 888-627-6008 Okay, so let's just talk really quickly about the variables of personality. A lot of people have heard of Myers-Briggs, MBTI. That's not really something they spend their time researching extensively until they're getting ready to go to college and someone in high school administers the test and says, hmm, you're trying to pick out your major. Let's go ahead and figure out your personality. That might be a small detail in what you're going to decide to do for the rest of your life and what you're going to base four years, potentially eight or 12 years of advanced education on. Yeah, you know what? There are four letters to the personality profile, but what are they really about? The first letter, E or I, is, is extrovert or introvert. That's about your social energy. Do you like to be around people and then spend time alone? Or do you like to spend time alone and then be around people? They're both okay because the world needs both kinds of people. Now keep that principle in mind as I go through the other three letters. The second letter is either S or N. It's about where you focus your attention. Now how well do you know yourself? Do you observe yourself in daily life and your behavior patterns? Maybe not. So I'm gonna ask you a couple questions about where you focus your attention. If you're an S, you're sensory, you focus your attention on what's going on around you. If you're N, you're intuitive, you focus more on what's going on inside of you. Two of my favorite questions are, yeah, do you get lost walking around the block? <laughs> then you're probably an intuitive because you don't necessarily pay attention to things like a sensor would. They have an amazing sense not only of direction, but they pay attention to the things that are around them, details, aesthetics, where an intu intuitive might notice it but quickly forget because they're thinking about it. The other question I like to ask for S or N is if you saw a meal sitting in front of you, it was new, it was kind of scary looking, you're like, well, it might be okay, but 
Uh, I don't know. A sensor would say, yeah, let's take a bite. Even a bad experience would be a good thing. An intuitive would say, no, you know what? I'm going to go ahead and order the meal that I always like, that I know I will always like. The third part of your personality is how you make decisions. Are you a thinker or a feeler? Now, unfortunately, in MBTI, that can be confusing to people because they think that a thinker is intelligent and a feeler is emotional. No, not with your personality. Thinkers are people who want information and logical, rational explanations in order to make an effective and successful decision. A feeler is someone who wants to understand other people's needs, their personal needs. They can feel what other people need and they are going to base their decisions on taking good quality care of people. Okay, so you can kind of base your decision of what you are your understanding of what you are on those things. But I'm going to go ahead and ask you a couple questions just to be sure. First of all, if you had to perform surgery on someone and you had to read a book, you'd never, you'd never perform surgery, but it's life-saving. And as long as you do the right thing, then you're going to save their life. How hard would it be for you to listen to them crying while you performed life-saving surgery? Well, you know what a thinker would say? It's going to hurt. You tough it out and you keep going. A feeler would say, I wouldn't be able to read a book. I'd be in pain knowing that I was causing their pain, even if it was for a good cause. The other question I ask is when someone says, this is really hurting me what you're doing, are you going to be more frustrated with them for being overly sensitive? Well, then you're probably a feeler. But a thinker would say, you know what? I understand that you're having a hard time, but I'm going to explain to you why it's going to be worth it in the end. As long as you see the intelligence behind this, you'll be able to handle the pain or the frustration, whatever it is you're going The last letter is a P or the J, a perceiver or a judger. That's how you carry out the decision of a thinker or feeler that you just made. <clears throat> I like to ask a couple of questions. The fun, see, this is the fun letter for me. Now, does it mean that if you're a J, you're judgmental? Perceivers can be very judgmental, just like thinkers can be very stupid. Okay. The questions that I like to ask are, do you like to write lists of things to do? Well, yeah, some people like to write lists. Some people love to write lists. The question with that is, do you have to keep that list throughout the day? And whenever you complete a task, you cross it off, even to the point where if you've done something that's not on your list, you'll write it down just so that you'll cross it off. That means you're a J. A P would probably lose their list halfway through the day. <laughs> <laughs> the other question is, okay, so if your appointment is at 2.30, would you rather be there at, um, let's see, 1.45 or eh, 2.35, 2.40? A J would rather be 45 minutes early than five minutes late. A P would say, well, you know what, time is a fluid concept, and the party doesn't really start till I can. <laughs> okay, so based on these, these concepts and these questions, you can know who you are really well, but how well do other people know you? Okay, so now another question that a colleague asked me recently, what's the best way to build a balanced and successful self-identity? Well, the key to that is functional order. Know your functional order and understand your abilities and your preferences when you have certain things that you're able to do very, very well, you're still going to have to do things that you are horrible at. 
And there are going to be things that bring you pleasure and happiness. Well, there are going to be things that make you miserable. You're going to have to do those too. What's naturally impressive in your abilities? Well, you know what? Sometimes my, my clients, especially the Hispanic ones, it can take me a good amount of time just to get through and pass the culture when they say, well, this is what I do all the time. Okay. How much of that is because you didn't, you were disciplined in some way. Let's get back to what you get pleasure doing, what you do very, very well, and what is so easy for you, it's like breathing. <clears throat> there are four levels of functionality. The first one is your dominant function. The second one is auxiliary. The third one is tertiary. The last one is inferior. Now, I explain them in the way of like, like your dominant function is like breathing for you. Your auxiliary function is like eating. Your tertiary function is like walking, and your inferior function is like running. Now, obviously, breathing, you have to do it all the time. If you stop doing it, you will literally die. If you have an ability to hold your breath for a long time, obviously, you're not immediately going to die. But the point is, you cannot stop doing it for an extended period of time. That's your dominant function. Your auxiliary function is like eating. You need to do it pretty consistently, right? Frequently throughout the day. If you have to hold off on eating, if you have to deprive yourself of supplement, the nutrients, all of those things, you know what? It's going to hurt. You can't be doing that. The tertiary function like walking, yeah, you can do that. You can even do that for an extended period of time, for hours at a time, but it wears, it wears you down. It wears away at you. It exhausts you. So when you're doing your tertiary function, you shouldn't do it for an extended period of time frequently throughout the day. It really should be something that you do consistently but sporadically throughout your daily life, your lifestyle, your routine. And then the last one, the inferior function, is like running. Yeah, running's good for you. It gets your heart, your muscles, your lungs. How much should you run every day? How, how far should you run at a time? Think about a marathon runner. Yeah, they can run 25, 26 miles, maybe even more. But what does their body look like? It demands a lifestyle change in order to be able to maintain that kind of performance. Your inferior function should not be more than one to two hours a day. You can get very good at it, but this is what I tell people when I'm explaining their personality to them. Your dominant function is the polar opposite of your inferior function. And your auxiliary function is the polar opposite of your tertiary function. Now, if you want to write this stuff down, you can go ahead and make notes or listen to the archive show because it will be always accessible on bbsradio.com. But when you think about what's more harmful to you, if you're thinking about functionality, doing your inferior function or not doing your dominant function. Yeah, if you're suffocating yourself in order to run, okay, that's something you really need to think about in your lifestyle choices. What's more important to you? Later on in the show, we're going to ask, what's more important to the people around you? We're going to take a real quick break, but before we do, I'm just going to remind you the number of the station is 888-627-6008. I'm going to be taking calls. Any questions that you have to ask me, please don't hesitate to give us a call. We're going to be right back. We're here to help you take control. 
Introducing the Conquer Diabetes Program, a life-changing initiative designed just for you. Picture this. Expert guidance, customized meal plans, and tailored exercise routines all at your fingertips. Our team of dedicated professionals are here to support you every step of the way. Not only that, but you will receive meetings with our registered dietitian, fitness equipment to allow you to work out at home, nutritional supplements, webinars from healthcare professionals, weekly meetings, and more. Say goodbye to the limitations of diabetes and hello to a vibrant, energetic life. Don't let this opportunity pass you by. Go to courses.destinymgmt.com or destinymgmt.com slash diabetes to start your free trial today. Welcome back to The Power of Synergy on BBS Radio. My name is Gabrielle Cardona, and again, if you want to call in and ask me a question, I am a relationship coach. We're going to be talking about a lot of different things today. Don't hesitate to reach out to me if you want to know something that I'm not talking about at the moment. The number is 888-627-6008. Okay, so I was talking about um, the functional order of different personalities and compatibility of different people with different styles of living, styles of thinking, styles of feeling and processing. How can we get together? Yeah, we need to go ahead and talk to each other. And I also talked about, uh, mentioned that our computers, our machines, our devices are actually making it harder for us to feel connected. Even if we're spending more time in what we would call social venues, we don't feel connected to each other. And there's a, a question that I get multiple times a day. Why do people have to be so critical? I feel like I'm always doing something wrong in their mind. Yeah, you know what? When we're on online, when we're on technology, when we're on our devices, and we don't have to look at people, we're more willing to say things that are hurtful to them. Because again, if you were standing in front of someone, would you say that particular thing? But more importantly, would you say it in that particular way? Probably not, not if it's negative. Do you think about the things that you say on these websites, in these social venues? How much of what you're saying to the people, do you even know the people? First of all, what does it mean to know someone? Okay, we can talk about that on another show. But would you say that same thing to them if you were sitting in a restaurant with them at a table? You know what? What if you had a problem that you needed to discuss? You might need to say something unpleasant or negative to a person, but if you have something good in mind, a good purpose in mind, and you're willing to be there with them, for them, during that communication, yeah, you might say something that's unpleasant for the time being. Okay, so when we're talking about things like choice of words, there's actually a song from the 60s, and I thought I had the lyrics pulled up here, from Simon and Garfunkel, Sound of Silence. Um, <clears throat> let me up here, lyrics. Okay, now keep in mind that, again, this was before computers ever even existed. So this is just basically talking about television, but the music was really good, so I liked listening to it when I was six, seven, eight years old. As I was really listening to it again, excuse me, replaying it with my kids, I was listening to the words going, oh my 
God, this is Facebook. <laughs> How did they know about Facebook before it ever existed? Okay, so I'm going to read some of the lyrics. And again, the number is 888-6008. You want to call in? Okay. Hello, darkness, my old friend. I've come to talk with you again because a vision softly creeping left its seeds while I was sleeping. And the vision that was planted in my brain still remains within the sound of silence. In restless dreams, I walked alone, narrow streets of cobblestone. Meet the halo of a street lamp, I turned my collar to the cold and damp when my eyes were stabbed by the flash of a neon light that split the night and touched the sound of silence. And in the naked light, I saw 10,000 people, maybe more, People talking without speaking. People hearing without listening. People writing songs that voices never shared. No one dared disturb the sound of silence. Fools that I, you do not know. Silence like a cancer grows. Hear my words that I might teach you. Take my arms that I might reach you. But my words like silent raindrops fell. And echoed in the wells. And the people bowed and prayed to the neon god they made. And the sign flashed out its warning in the words that it was forming. And the sign said, the words of the prophets are written on the subway walls and tenement halls and whispered in the sounds of sleep. Okay, so that, that's pretty heavy stuff. That's pretty profound and deep. Let's just talk about how we can be talking without speaking and listening. No, we're not even listening. We're hearing without listening. How much of what we say to each other isn't really ever said? And how much of what we're thinking is never even communicated? Because when we're thinking at 200 words a minute and we're texting at 30 to 40 words a minute, that's about 60 to 75% of what we're thinking and feeling that never gets conveyed by us to the people that we're with. They're important enough to us to be with them in some social, quote-unquote social way, but our isolation is making us more antisocial. And I even give the example of how my husband delivers food for Uber Eats just for some extra cash. People who are ordering food from a restaurant, they literally say, do not knock on the door. Do not ring the bell. I don't want to talk to you. I just want my food. Part of the reason why they're not going out to the establishment to sit and enjoy a social situation is because they would rather be. That's very scary to me just because it's getting exponentially worse. But when I say to people, isolation does not help us emotionally or mentally, even if we are an introvert. One of the things that a colleague asked me, how do I manage my emotions in such a competitive and aggressive social environment? Well, because the competition and the aggression that we feel for each other is provocational. Look, I provoke sometimes, right? I'm thought provoking. Provocational is not the same thing. When we have to then be with each other that we're not, people we're not with during the day, at some point when we have to interact with them, how can we be less aggressive and more respectful 
and considerate with the things that we say, we have to remember that we have that power over people. And I don't care what you say to me out loud when you say, I don't care what you think about me. You obviously do if you're taking the time to speak to me to say that. We do care about other people. We do know that we have the ability to make their life better or worse. That's how you can be self, right? Controlling, self-control with your emotions, your feelings, and your thoughts that will produce and manifest your actions with those people. Genuinely believe and remember that what you say and what you do will have an impact. Now, one of the things that I actually wanted to share with my listeners just for fun today is people are asking me about relationships because they see the fact that, yeah, I can I have a good time with my husband. We've been married in 94, so this coming year, it's going to be 30 years. We actually had dinner with one of his friends last night, and she said, how long have you guys been married? We haven't, literally, we haven't seen each other in 20 years. I said, yeah, coming up on 30 years this year. She said, whoa, how did that happen? How did that fly by? Because she still sees the way we treat each other. We have a good time. We hold hands. We kiss each other. We talk. We do have that relationship with each other. It comes from communication. But yeah, you know what? The fact is, this is going to be just the bottom line. We are very compatible. He's an ESTP. I'm an INTP. We have certain things that are similar, but we have certain things that are different. I knew myself very well before I even got into a relationship with him. He knew himself very well before we got together and signed up for forever with each other. Yeah, that's important to remember. It's important to say, okay, I understand that for you, my husband's an ESTP. I'm an INTP, that when my husband, as an extroverted sensor, that's his dominant function, he needs to be doing things physically, preferably with his hands, right, with his eyes, that will engage his brain while he's talking to me. He listens better, literally, when his eyes are going everywhere else except my face. See, now, if I was an INTP, I wouldn't appreciate that. right? Ordinarily, without understanding it, because it would seem to me like he's not focusing on. Well, actually, yeah, he is. But it's not until his tertiary extroverted feeling engages. And then once he gets into that emotional venue of his feeling functionality, he kind of turns stupid. (laughs) Because he is very excited by and very sensorily stimulated because they're both extroverted. You know what? Actually, my intuition is extroverted. As an INTP, my auxiliary function means that when I'm talking about something, I'm processing thoughts and ideas and coming to conclusions but not making a decision, I need to have people around me. When I'm being sensory, I need to be alone. That means when I'm in the kitchen cooking, If you come in and talk to me while I am cutting vegetables, I'm going to end up cutting my own finger off. Because first of all, sensing for me as an INT is tertiary. And second, it's introverted. 
physically inclined. That means I cannot have people being social with me while I am doing something sensory if I expect to do it well. Yeah, that's actually really important. So then when you say to someone, for me, marriage is forever. Yeah, it is till death do us part. Let's go down the checklist and see if we are compatible. Yeah, it's nice to be romantically interested. It's very beautiful to be sexually aroused by someone. But more importantly, are we compatible to live daily life activities together? And that's another thing that I say. It's really important to decide. It was for me. I'm not going to sleep with a man until he signs up for forever with me. That was my personal standard. That also happened to be his personal standard. Communicate with people, cooperate with people, and accept people. Again, accept people means you appreciate them and you respect them and you trust them. That's the art of relationships and connection. Again, in case you didn't hear it in the first part of the show, several times, the number is 888-627-6008. Okay, so now, basically, as we were at the party last night with my husband's friend from, she actually met him about 35 years ago. So think about this. My husband is 58. So he was about, let's see, 23, 24, 25 when he met her. She is just about the same age, just a few years younger than him. They were kids, right? Well, now we're grandparents, okay? A lot of things have developed and, you know, expanded. And, well, how much has really changed? Your personality doesn't change, people. Your behavior does. But this is interesting. I was told a whole bunch of lies when I was a little girl that once you get married, the husband, he's not interested in you anymore. Or here's another one. Yeah, you know what? Your sex life kind of goes down the hill after six months. The honeymoon phase wears off. Well, that's not true. Oh, and men are dumb people, by the way. The feminist women, they, they told me that men are just dumb and they're very horny all the time. And they're kind of lazy. Women don't really need men. That's not true. So let me ask you this. Ask yourself, do you believe that the honeymoon phase is over after six months? Or how about at two years? Well, okay. What if you don't sleep together until you're married? Well, what if you don't ever get married? What if you just move in together? What difference does that make? You know what? I can tell you what I think. It's probably different than what you think. Because Generation X, raised by baby boomers, which was me, I was Generation X and my mom was a baby boomer, a lot of feminism, we had a belief system and a value system that, well, it wasn't really facilitating relationships and it certainly wasn't glorifying commitment. This was back in a time when, yeah, till death do us part was part of marriage vows. It's not anymore. Most people don't even want to get married. Because you know what? Divorce is really expensive, which is another reason why men say, I'm okay having a technological relationship right with an electronic device because I can get all of the things that I would be getting from a real person without all the collateral damage, like, like being taken to the cleaners when we do decide to get divorced. It's not really a question of if, it's just a matter of when. Wow, how many people truly believe that? Okay, so then let's appreciate the differences just between men and women. Naturally, yes, they can come together. And even after, <clears throat> excuse me, 29 years of marriage, my husband and I are still 
fresh with each other and like that newlywed energy honeymoon phase we still can have that well, what's the differences between men and women don't try to change the person you love or be that person right with the men <clears throat> trying to be like women because women are trying to be like men with feminism i think that's a lot of what happened when women were basically saying we could be just as good as men we can do just as much as men we are just as important and valuable as men we want the same money so we have to prove that we are basically the same as men we're not we're so different one of the things <clears throat> excuse me i like to tell people about men is they are very very simple and they're very basic men are created with or evolved okay because i happen to believe in creation but if you don't believe in god or that a divine entity created us evolution <clears throat> also made men with three fundamental activities they are great at that's protection provision and procreation men are stronger than women physically they have the ability to save our life because as women we are a weaker vessel and then there's um provision which is yeah they can they can get food for us <laughs> they can go out and get what needs to be done right do what needs to be done to provide the food to sustain life and procreation yeah we all know that sex is a very nice thing it's a very fun thing animals they don't have those experiences that we have mentally and emotionally in addition to physically our constitution is very different men do have just a higher sex drive than women in general right there are exceptions but it, it is his responsibility to do that so then as women i love the fact that in proverbs we have an entire chapter chapter 31 that explains our ability as women we can not not provide necessarily in the way that men do but we can take what he has provided for us and for our family and we can turn it into something really fun and enjoyable pleasurable and delicious for us and our husbands and our children we have the ability to multitask so we can be resourceful yes we can absolutely get a business i've had my own company for 18 years now but we also have the ability to multitask we can take care of our husband and our kids and our jobs because we know how to manage time and money okay so we're not the same people we don't have the same gifts and talents and strengths and abilities as male and female but then we also have the differences of our personality if we know that honestly women for men excuse me we have the ability to make them better people or we can just make them crazy another one of my favorite scriptures is literally it is better for a man to sleep alone on the corner of a roof than with a woman looking for a fight okay so when we come back i'm going to talk a little bit more about that and how politics has undermined the connection between men and women if you have a question or a comment go ahead and give us a call 888-627-6008 for now we're going to take a quick break i'm gabrielle cardona with the power of synergy on bbs radio imagine a world where managing diabetes is not a struggle but a journey toward wellness introducing the conquer diabetes program a life-changing program designed just for you 
With our program, you'll receive personalized support from our team of experts dedicated to your success. Learn to understand what your body is trying to tell you and effectively manage your blood sugar through fitness and nutrition. Our goal is to empower you with the knowledge and tools to conquer diabetes and live life on your terms. This is an American Diabetes Association approved DSMES course. Don't let diabetes hold you back any longer. Visit courses.destinymgmt.com or destinymgmt.com slash diabetes and take the first step towards conquering diabetes and embracing a healthier future. Start your journey to a healthier, happier you. Conquer diabetes and reclaim your life. Consult with your healthcare professional before starting any new health program. Welcome back to The Power of Synergy on BBS Radio. I'm your host, Gabrielle Cardona. Okay, so we're talking about synergy and the power that we have when we come together. That's individually as people, but it's also as groups. And I've been talking today a lot about the, we'll say, development, right, of technology and the evolution of society with these electronic devices. How many of them make our life better? How many of them complicate it? And how many of them do we use personally in our daily routine? One of the things that I was talking about before the commercial, before the break, was feminism. And has that really been good for our society? As men and women, we are completely different creatures. We are different souls and entities. Yeah, we have a different sort of format, right, of our constitution. The physiological differences between us, the mental and the emotional differences. But then we're also talking about personality differences. There are some qualities and characteristics that society would say, oh, well, you know what, that's that's more of a female trait because they have decided in their minds that women should be doing certain things, not so much men, right? Or they could say, well, you know, that's a guy kind of quality because that looks better when a man does it than when a woman does it. Okay, well, you know what? I was just lied to about men and motherhood in general. The joke that I told at the beginning of the show about the computer, why a machine is like a man and why it's like a woman, those are all very judgmental things to think and feel, ways to see each other, both men and women. But you know what? A lot of the things that I was told were tongue-in-cheek. Yeah, it was a joke on a show or it was a... a Sort of a parable in a song, or it might have been a comment by an expert who was being interviewed on a news program. But you know what? They really didn't have the best interest of society in mind because, again, their ultimate goal was to make women stronger and more successful in society. Unfortunately, they just did it by demeaning men, making fun of men, and communicating. To young girls like me, I'm talking six, seven, eight years old, misinformation, literally incorrect facts to me. Like, okay, I'll give you an an example of one of the jokes. A woman who's not really a woman, especially if she's being dominated and abused by a man, you know, barefoot, pregnant, and in the kitchen. Well, obviously, she's barefoot, pregnant, and in the kitchen. She's not any kind of impressive woman. And obviously, her husband must be beating her. What? Are you serious? Well, obviously, because men only care about sex, 
And it's not a question of if he's going to be unfaithful to you. It's just a matter of when because they can't keep it in their pants. I'm sorry, what? <laughs> and oh, oh, here's another one that I really love. Let's see, once you have kids or once you get pregnant, you get fat and ugly. And then your, your husband doesn't want you anymore because you're fat and ugly. And kids exhaust you. They are stressful and they are expensive. Kids are even worse than men because they make you old and miserable and fat and ugly. And they take all your money away. What? That is such a lie. And I didn't know that until I had my own kids. They're the coolest people I have ever met. They have taught me more about life. They are absolutely fine with simple things. They are not demanding. All they want is high quality from the people in their life that they love. That's you. That's your husband. And here's the thing that I tell people, I'm a wife first and then a mother. I got to tell you, feminists hate it when I say I take care of my husband first before I take care of my kids. No, because your husband doesn't need you. Your kids need you. Okay, that's wrong too. No, actually, your husband, he might not need as much as frequently as your children, but he needs high quality. He needs you as much as you need him. Well, I don't need a man. Okay. Yes, you do. Yes, we do. Stop fighting with each other. Yeah, we have the ability to take care of each other and provide for each other just in different ways for different reasons. And when I know, that I have taken care of my husband and he feels satisfied and gratified and fulfilled. That's the appreciation and the respect and the trust that we have together. Another thing I like to tell people is the chemistry of laughter. Yeah, orgasm. And I mentioned this in the show last week. I think I mixed a couple of words up, but I call it a dose, a dose of happiness. The acronym here is D-O-S-E. Yeah, okay. So the hormones, look, we have hormones that we get from our bodies when we have an orgasm. One is dopamine. You know what? That's a, a very powerful hormone that a lot of people use drugs, illicit drugs, even prescription drugs to raise that chemical in their brain. It's relaxing and very comforting. Yeah, but it's also um, stimulating in a way we want that. We can get very addicted to it. Then there's oxytocin, D-O, dopamine, oxytocin. That's a hormone of bonding and affection and trust. That's putting a person into the situation, into the equation. The S is serotonin. That's just happiness and joy. We can never have too much of that, right? Because that makes the quality of what we do so much better. And then E, the endorphins. Now think about this. Between the dopamine and the oxytocin that are very sedative and relaxing. When we get endorphins too, that gives us energy. Doesn't that seem a little incongruent that we're getting a relaxation hormone and an energizing hormone at the same time? Well, you know what? Laughter gives us that, all four of those, and so does orgasm. Yeah, people can get very addicted to masturbation, but you know what? If you're not, if you're not getting what you need sexually from your mate, could be for different reasons. There are different things that go on in life. You might not have the opportunity to create that special intimate bond. Do you know what? Laughter with each other is just as powerful. And at the party last night, my husband and I were looking at each other. Well, it was a big party because it was a bunch of Mexicans. 
and they love to have big parties with lots of food and they're kind of loud and so not everybody can talk with everybody all at once. So I would look at him periodically and he would hold my hand and we would have a little inside joke and we would laugh together. Yeah, that was really nice. And that never gets old. Even after 30 years, that honeymoon phase about appreciation and respect and trust feels good. Just like sexual connection and bonding and pleasure. Again, ladies and gentlemen, thank you for listening to the show today. Three things that I want to remind everybody who listens to me and follows me. Number one, there is no neutral energy. Everything you're thinking and feeling is either positive or negative. Ask yourself how much of your energy in life, your emotional and physical and mental energy is positive, how much is negative. The second point, if you are not contributing to a solution for people, with people in your life, you are propelling the problem because there is no inertia in human energy. You are going to make things better or worse. When you physically interact with people, when you socially interact with people, mentally, emotionally, when you connect with them, when you touch people, touch is the most powerful. Skin is the, uh, the largest organ of the body. Touch is the most powerful stimulation because it creates those hormones with, with people inside of them. And that's how you bond and connect. Take the time to make your power positive, your energy positive. And this is what I've always told my husband. He's always let me take care of myself. For me, stretching gives me the relaxation that gives me good quality sleep. If I say to my kids, you know what? I got to go out for a walk. I need to recenter. They know that that's going to make my energy high quality. When I come to them, my synergy will be powerful and productive. I'm making them better by taking good quality care of myself. And talk to people. Ask them what they need. There is more joy in giving. Yeah, the third point, when you are powerful, you are going to change the world. All you can change immediately and maybe tangibly is what is in your current world. You make the world a better place by making the people in your world a better place, making their energy powerful so they can create their environment, high quality, just like yours. Thank you so much for listening to The Power of Synergy on BBS Radio. Same time next week. If you have questions you wanted to ask, you can go to, you can email um, thepowerofsynergy.bbsradio at gmail.com. If you didn't get a chance to call in today, I do check the mail. So you can go ahead and ask me a question. I'll answer it on the show next week. Thanks again for listening. Take good care of you. Be powerful in a positive